Episode 6, I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... Uh, Travis Lasseter. Travis, what is important about today? Today is the 25th anniversary of the Montreal Screwjob, Survivor Series 1997. 25 years ago, the landscape of wrestling changed forever. And the most infamous story to ever come from wrestling is the Montreal Screwjob. 25 years, dude, does not feel like it's been 25 years. Shows you that we're old as shit to be honest. I mean, we're I was 10 years old, just had turned 10 years old not long after that. So wasn't uh really comprehending, I guess, what was really going on at the time. But I remember printing page upon page upon page of conspiracy theories off of um uh Raja World or whatever it was called <laughs> back in the day. Uh to get because uh, I didn't I didn't know the fucking observer newsletter existed so he was literally posting dave's words word by word of what happened so that's how i knew that that it was like a shoot which i didn't even know what a fucking shoot was when i was 10 years old but it was um pretty amazing to read that as 10 years old that vince mcmahon would do that and then when wrestling with shadows came out and then you could see the behind the scenes of it later on it was it was fucking wild yeah i remember seeing when vince did the Brett screwed Brett promo. And even then as a kid, I'm like, I was like, this can't be real. And even today, I still don't know a hundred percent that it is all real or unless they've worked all of us for all these years. Well, it's like I said earlier in our group chat, it's the older you get, the more you could see how it was set up to benefit both sides of it. Like it sets up Vince McMahon to be the asshole heel to, to contend with Steve Austin. And then it sets up Bret Hart to be the baby face to wrestle the NWO coming in. He got screwed by the other promotion, a.k.a. the promotion that sent the NWO there to take WCW down. And Bret Hart could be there to save it as the, you know, as the man that was screwed over by Vince McMahon to, to take the NWO down. <laughs> in typical WCW fashion, they just fucked it all up. Like, how do you not have him wrestle a match at that Starcade? Like, come on. They do fumbled something. it so bad. And no matter what they say, Bischoff can say what he wants. They fumbled it so bad. Brett could have been a big deal. But the Vince McMahon character coming out of this, to me, is what won the war for him. And oh yeah, it's it's hard to argue. And I, I made a joke that, oh, guys, it's been 25 years since Bret Hart submitted to the sharpshooter and casually just went to WCW. So... <laughs> And WWE has a fucking shop shirt up about it. Like they have a shop, a shirt with like the gang rules logo and everything on it. It's kind of cool looking. Um, I, I kind of hope they keep doing that. Those main events actually put the real pictures of the people from that main event on there would be nice. Instead yeah. of that WrestleMania, was it seven shirt they had at Target where the Macho Man doesn't look like that and neither does the Warrior. And like they, they fuck it all they, up. Didn't they do one like that with Austin and Sean and it's like an old ass picture of Sean? It's like Sean from 92 and Austin from like 2001. I think it was a Walmart exclusive shirt. It was, it was pretty bad. So Travis, last week we covered stunning Steve Austin versus Ricky Steamboat. We put over how good of a match it was. We put over the production quality. Ironically, we reverse and go right back to 1992 in the Bill Watts era with this episode. The Steiner Brothers versus Terry Gordy and Steve Williams from Clash of the Champions 19. Not gonna lie, we've been we've hit we've hit some WCW heavy. I feel like on this podcast so far. I mean, maybe maybe just because we've covered two back to back weeks of it. But I mean, you gotta look at it. We've covered Beach Blast, this, and um, another Clash of the Champions with Steve Austin. So, uh, and we've had one ECW and two WWE. So, I mean, really WWF. Fuck WWE. Anything before fucking two thousand two is still WWF to me. The interesting thing about all of this is this show happens, I believe it's two days after Beach Blast. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. 
Cause, well, uh, we'll, talk about that. we'll talk about that too. Co- the the magazine I have actually with the, the cover is uh, Williams and Gordy versus the Steiners has the recap of uh, Beach Blast. So that is um, it, it's funny to see that because they actually cover both the Great American Bash match and the Clash Champions match in that article. And for it to be the cover of the magazine, it's only a four page article, and it's the <laughs> cover story of the magazine, which makes no sense to me. Which I, I've took pictures of all those pages and. It will be on uh, either their tw- the Twitter or the Facebook um, while this while we're promoting this episode. Yeah, this match is actually a quarterfinals match from the NWA World Title uh, Tag Title Tournament. We'll talk more about the whole tournament. But Travis, when was the first time you've seen this match? Oh, the first time I saw this match was um, I ordered um, a bootleg set of all the Clash of the Champions, and I watched them. And that's the first time I saw this match. It's probably that was probably around 2005, 2006. I mean, it's before they put out the Clash of Champions Blu-ray and stuff. And I don't even think this match is on that Blu-ray. It may be, but I forgot to look for that for that. But I would say um, probably 0506 after I got that bootleg set of uh, the Clash of Champions. Yeah, uh, I'll talk more about the Clash of the Champions DVD set that they put out to um, the, the official release. We'll talk about that here in a second. First time I saw this match, I want to say it was just highlights. Uh, the very first time I watched this match was doing this podcast, uh, doing my research. I want to say I watched highlights on YouTube because back in the day when YouTube was first coming out, you could find so much like cool shit when it came to highlights and matches that weren't available because WWE had not released any of that footage. They were just sitting on that tape library waiting for the network to kind of become a thing. And I want to say I actually may have watched this clash because we always talk about 92 and 93 being slept on years for WCW. And it, I want to say I may have watched it then as well. I don't remember. But just recently watching I remember, this match back was, was pretty cool. I remember watching when the network came out. I started watching every WCW pay-per-view from Starcade 83 through, you know, to the Nitro era. So I watched this after the network came out. And I'm just going to tell you, this clash to me, being it's a tournament for the NWA tag titles with tag teams I've never heard of, I was just like, man, this clash fucking blows. But this this match was, you know, kind of a highlight of that because it was the two teams from the time. I knew who Gordy and Williams were and the Steiners were, of course, and it was billed as like this dream match here on American soil um, because they were the miracle violence connection, as they were called in Japan, where – the team over there and the Steiners were the team over here. So it was, it was um, a dream match. And uh, Jim Ross talks about that a lot on the commentary for this, uh, this, this show. Yeah. Actually having in my notes right here, uh, we were talking about the best of the clash of the champions box set. Interesting note that box set was released with only one match from 92 and it was a Blu-ray exclusive. It was sting and uh, Ricky steamboat versus Rick Rude and Steve Austin from the Clash before this Clash 18. So I just thought it was kind of interesting that 92 is a pretty good year, but there's only one match featured on this box set. Well, and you can speak to this too, but you knew how hard the damn Blu-rays WWE release were to get, like going to Sam Goody or FYE (laughs) or Best Buy trying to tech. I will never forget going to Best Buy (laughs) trying to get the damn Money in the Bank Blu-ray, and they tell me it's there, and I get there, and it's not. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm mad in the parking lot, and you're with me laughing. And this guy like says something to me. I was like, "You can go fuck yourself." He's like, "It's draw up the barrel to get this dude." He's like, "You don't say that." You're like, no, go fuck yourself. It was great. <laughs> All over a Blu-ray that now means nothing, but back then I was so mad because I drove 35 minutes to get it, and they didn't have it. Yeah. So before we kind of get rolling, let's talk about the competitors, the Steiner brothers. You actually can go back, guys. We actually have had done a podcast on the Steiner Brothers before on our old feed, which was the NXT uh, Evolution. We put it on there. It actually was the Steiner Brothers versus the Heavenly Bodies. And we kind of mentioned the Steiner Brothers. They, they started teaming shortly, actually a few years before this, probably I believe it was 89. The tag team would win their first championships together in November of 89, defeating the Freebirds. So... I wanted to talk about the tag title picture and kind of what brought this tournament on because there was a lot of moving um, parts when it came to this. And it was fun to kind of research this because, like I said, the Steiner brothers, they won their first tag titles together in November of 89. On May 19th, 1990, Doom would win the, w- or the WCW tag titles 
from the Steiners at Capital Combat. During this title reign in January of 91, WCW began to withdraw from the NWA, and the tag titles were renamed to the WCW Tag Team Championships. Doom also holds the record for the longest title reign at 281 days before losing it to the Freebirds. The Steiner brothers would regain the tag titles and begin their first official run as WCW Tag Champions on February 18, 1991, but the match would not air until March 9, 1991. This was the interesting fact. I told Travis about this kind of reading up on it. The Freebirds had actually won the titles at the WrestleWar pay-per-view on February 24th. Since the Freebirds were scheduled to win the titles, they defended them six days earlier, February 18th, at a television taping for WCW Pro that would air March 9th. The Freebirds... Negative title reign. The, yeah, the Freebirds <laughs> held onto the title belts until March 9th to create the illusion that they were still champions, but in reality, they were not. The Steiners would go on to hold the WCW tag titles a third time on May 3rd, 1992, defeating Arn Anderson and Beautiful Bobby. The Freebirds have a negative title reign. They have a negative, I believe, a negative six-day title reign. And and that's the crazy thing about WCW at this time. They taped so far in advance that the results for these shows were already out before they ever had pay-per-views. Like, um, what is it? Is it um, Sid wins the belt in 93, technically? But the the footage is never seen because he stabs Arn Anderson, and then they get rid of the footage, and then Vader's just stays champion. But Sid wins the belt, and then they have to redo everything. That's what I was going to bring yeah. up because it's very dangerous to you know film that far in advance because I mean that that's a long span of time to to film and create an illusion of tag champions. Like I imagine people when the Freebirds lost the titles. To the Steiner brothers, they were like, why are the Freebirds tag champions? Why are the Steiner brothers champions? And then they watched the pay-per-view and they're like, why are the Freebirds tag champions again? And have us <laughs> the winning, the, winning, the, the winning the titles at the pay-per-view that they never even had the titles before. So I guess, you know, it, it's it's not like the internet age now. It, it was a little bit different. But the, the whole idea of it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. And quick thing about that Doom Steiners match. I think that is on our wheel of, uh, of uh, destiny, you want to call it. But um, I think I, me or you, I can't remember. I think it's me that put the Doom and Steiners match on there because it's hard hitting, kind of like this match is. Yeah. And plus, Ron say, Simmons and uh, fucking uh, Butch Reed were badass back in the day. Did you like uh, Mass Doom or Unmass Doom? I like Mass Doom better, even though Ron Simmons is unfuck withable. But unfuck withable. Um, I, I like Doom better with Woman as well instead of Teddy Long. I agree. I agree. Teddy and his D rag. Uh, on the other side of the ring, the Miracle Violence Connection, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. I'm going to kind of break down yeah, both of their <laughs> careers. It is, it is a, a, a wild name. Steve Williams was a four-time All-American in amateur wrestling and a very talented football player in high school. Already interested in professional wrestling, he had a nickname that dated back to an incident in junior high where he had to wrestle in a hockey goalie's mask due to shattering his nose and was jokingly labeled Dr. Death by one of his school's coaches. He would go on to play for the Sooners, Boomer Sooner, and reach countless bowl games in his time there. That's for us, Boomer Sooner. Go Oklahoma. That's for us. In 1982, Williams began training for professional wrestling. Of course, he was trained by Bill Watts and Buddy Landell and started wrestling for Watts Mid-South Wrestling. He would stay in the organization until it would be bought out by Jim Crockett Promotions, where he would eventually begin working for the NWA and also New Japan Pro Wrestling. Williams turned heel and joined the Varsity Club in late 88. He and Sullivan would win the NWA U.S. tag titles at Starcade. The group feuded with the Road Warriors, and he and Mike Rotundo would go on to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. This was before he was Captain Mike Rotundo. This is when he's a teammate or stable mates with old Rick Steiner, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Rick Steiner is currently in the varsity club. Then he goes off his knockers, they kick him out, and Scott Steiner debuts shortly after that. In May of 89, the varsity club disbanded, and he would leave the uh, NWA Jim Crockett WCW in 1990. He would join All Japan Pro Wrestling in 1990, where he found success with Terry Bam Bam Gordy and a tag team called the Miracle Violence Connection, which they originally formed prior in 1987 in Jim Crockett Promotions. Before we kind of get rolling, 
I'm gonna say the the MVC sounds like a bad STD. Yeah, you're you right. That on the, <laughs> I'm just saying. MVC equals bad STD. Speaking of Terry Gordy, really quick, we have a mutual friend of ours. I swear to God, he could be fucking relate a cousin, a nephew, a long lost son of Terry Bam Bam Gordy. His name is Tyler Thomas. Shout out to Tyler. I used to work with him, and then he was actually. Um, out. Remember, we bumped into him on my bachelor party weekend when we went went out to Knoxville and got fucked up. Yep. He was there. Uh, great guy. Could be Terry Gordy. He son. looks. He looks like a fucking young Terry Gordy. There's no. I mean, if you put pictures side by side of this guy and Terry Gordy, you would think it's this long lost, long lost kid. Um, let's just hope his kids don't grow up to look like Tam, uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Just. <laughs> And also shout out to Miranda Gordy. Um, we we teased the idea of actually reaching out for her uh, for this podcast. Um, that may be something we do in the future with somebody else, but I'm really excited to talk about Terry Gordy. Gordy dropped out of high school following his freshman year and started wrestling in 1975 at the age of 14 as Terry Mecca for the IWA. In early 79, he began wrestling under his real name and formed the fabulous Freebirds with Michael P.S. Hayes. And then Buddy Roberts was added later on. Do, do, do. Bad stream. <laughs> <for> <laughs> uh, in 1980, the Freebirds moved to Georgia Championship Wrestling. In 81, the Freebirds split up when Buddy Roberts left the area. Michael and Terry would actually have a falling out, which led to a feud against each other. Terry and Michael eventually put their differences aside and reformed the Freebirds as a duo in 1982. The Freebirds would work and get notoriety, uh, notoriety excuse me, in WCCW feuding with the Von Erichs from 82 to 89 off and on. Von Erichs and the Freebirds in the cage. Dallas yeah, Von, er- Von Erichs is a, uh, uh, a big subject right now, knowing that Zach Efron is going to be playing Kevin Von Erich. Dressed up as Kevin Von Erich with the stupid haircut and stuff from the 80s. And it was like his mom just put a ruler in front of his hair and just trimmed it off straight. Yeah, and then Carrie Carrie's being that, played by the dude from Shameless. And the bad thing of it is, they probably both got more ass than all of us combined. All You're listeners right. of the podcast combined. Yeah, you definitely Plus right. <laughs> uh, Gordy began working for All Japan Pro Wrestling in 1983 and would work off and on for them until 1994. In '86, he would work with the Freebirds in the UWF and win the UWF Heavyweight Championship. There's a famous picture of him holding the title belt. And you can definitely tell that the Ring of Honor title belt is Isn't paying homage based to that off title. Of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's identical. Tony Khan. Tony Khan. We don't have that much time to talk about Tony. Fuck that guy. <laughs> the Freebirds would show up in the NWA in 1987, but would have a brief stint in 89 and in 1992. On February 29, 1992 at Super Brawl 2, then ECW Executive Vice President Kit Fry announced that he was negotiating to bring Williams and Gordy back to WCW. On the April 18th edition of Saturday Night, it was announced that Gordy and Williams would be a part of an upcoming tournament for the vacant NWA Tag Team Championships that summer. So the event is Clash of the Champions 19, took place June 16th, 1992 in Charleston, South Carolina, Flair Country. Woo. However, Woo. he was in the WWF at this time. Uh, the event aired on TBS on June 22nd, 1992. This show, as we mentioned, would be aired two days after Beach Blast 92, which we had covered Sting versus Cactus Jack. There were 4,600 fans in attendance, and the show drew a 2.8 rating. The rest of the tournament took place at the Great American Bash in 1992. NWA board of directors decided to endorse a NWA World Tag Team Championship in 1992. They reached out to WCW to organize the initial tournament which would also give them the rights to control the championship on a day-to-day basis. WCW t- pulled together a 16-team tournament that saw several teams made up of regular WCW competitors, as well as teams from various countries such as Japan, Mexico, Canada, and others. The eight matches of the first round all took place at this show at Clash of the Champions. So before I kind of, I'm going to talk about the tournament here in just a second. I just want to talk about how in 1992, well, you'll hear it here shortly. Bill Watts pretty much shits on the NWA. And two years later, Shane Douglas is throwing their fucking title belt down. So the NWA is just kind of just a fucking disgrace at this point. 
And, NWA's uh, doing, dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's dead. It, it, it's dead. It's dead. Uh, as Jane Douglas says, RIP six years ago, I believe is what he says. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here, here's the first round of the tournament that we got. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and Nikita Koloff defeated Joe and Dean Malenko. Had no fucking idea Dean Malenko had a brother, man. No fucking clue. Yep. I remember this match, and then think he shows up in like 98 with him and Jericho are having a feud because uh, Dean gets fired or suspended, and Jericho calls out Joe instead of <laughs> Dean, and uh, they have look just a like. scuffle. Have a scuffle, and that's about it. But yeah, Joe Malenko, not not uh, big on the radar for anybody unless you watch a lot of All Japan and New Japan back in the day. Dean's definitely the better worker. I was just watching that tag match. Dean's just oh, so yeah. crisp. And I mean, and that's that's no disrespect to Joe, but Dean fucking Malenko is Dean fucking Malenko. Dushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman defeated Beef Wellington and Chris Benoit. That match is actually on our list. That match fucking rules as well. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to covering that one day. Uh, Terry Gordy and Steve Williams defeat Jeff and Larry O'Day. Worst fucking tag team in this tournament. They were the O'Days. <laughs> they, they were the Aussies. And there was a, there's a dude in the crowd fucking holding the uh, the Australia flag. It's pretty funny. The Steiner brothers would take on Miguel, Miguel Perez Jr. and Ricky Santana. However, they do not. We'll, we'll actually talk about that here shortly. Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham defeated Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. That's a really pretty good match as well. Watching that one, I enjoyed it. Steve Austin and Rick Rude defeated Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Tom Zink. You uh, had some questionable pictures of Tom Zink, <laughs> Marcus Bagwell. In that he was magazine. training him, training Bagwell to be training fucking, uh, in quotations. Like these these magazines have hidden gems on them. I just gotta start taking pictures of some of this stuff and and make another Twitter, I guess. You know, oh to go God. along with wrestling no. re- wrestling recommendations. So I'm just posting on magazine. the wrestling rec page. Oh Jesus! <laughs> wrestling magazine deep cuts. It Some looked shit. like it looked like just two men having a great time. It's all look like it was hammerlocks and and a headlocks and oh my. shirtless shirtless hammerlocks <laughs> and headlocks. <laughs> Let's get back to this fucking tournament. Uh, Hiro Hasi and Akira Nogami defeated the Headhunters. Um, they they wore masks. They, the match was not that great. And the fabulous Freebirds the, defeated Silver King One and Silver King Two. So uh, it wasn't a bad little. Tournament there. I mean, to me, the O days are probably the worst in there. I can't remember if it was Larry or it was, he was old as dirt. But the quarterfinals, we would get Koloff and Steamboat versus Liger and Pillman. Uh, you're going to see the quarterfinals match with Gordy and Williams versus the Steiner brothers, uh, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Wyndham versus Austin and Rude and Hasi and Hashimoto, who actually uh, took the place of Nogami. Uh, versus the Freebirds. So there's a there's all those matches except for the match we're about to cover took place at the it, Great American Bash. It's just weird to me that Steiners and the MVC were not the finals. I mean, I guess they're trying to pop a rating here on this clash, but this match isn't advertised for the clash. It's just a bonus match. So you're not really popping a number. So why would this not be the finals to your tournament? I, I asked them. I don't understand, but it's Bill Watts era booking and this this cool little tournament backdrop they have here is I don't know. Just it doesn't make sense. I feel like that'd be that's your money match to build the pay per view around. I feel like you could have spaced this out on like WCW Pro or Saturday night. Um instead it would have made a little bit more sense. But um I mean I, that just goes to show you they didn't really pop a huge rating. During the show, WCW started a storyline feud between the Steiners and uh, the favorite non-WCW team of Steve Williams, Terry Gordy. They would cut a promo on the show to set up the feud, which I have the audio for right here. Welcome back to the Clash of Champions, everybody. I'm Eric Bischoff, along with Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. A lot of action so far. Ravishing Rick Rude and stunning Steve Austin have advanced to the tournament, as has Nikita Koloff and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Dr. Death Steve Williams here at the Clash of the Champions, you're going to be facing the father and son team from Australia, the O'Days. Australia? Who cares about Australia? Away oh, down under. Nobody cares about Australia. Hey, come on, let's face it, man. The whole world, everybody's sitting out, out right there. They want to see Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Terry Gordy go against the Steiners. They don't want to see Terry Gordy and Steve Williams go against a bunch of Australians, man. 
Come on, let's get it together, Steiners. We're ready. Let's do it. Oh, wait a minute. The Steiner brothers are going to be Steiner, facing the Puerto Rican team. Steiners, Steiners. All I get to hear is Steiners, Steiners. I'm starting to get a headache, Terry. You know what? I'm from Oklahoma. And when we're from Oklahoma and you hear about somebody who plays for Michigan, some kind of athletic sports, all you think about is queers. Well, I can't say that on TV, but I'm just tired of it. It just gets me going. Steiners, Steiners, we're going to see who's the number one team. Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy fired up here in this NWA World Tag Team Tournament first round competition. Now, let's get back to the ring. Gordy's Tennessee accent almost makes me think it's Tracy Smothers. And Dr. Death says uh, something along the lines of he's from Oklahoma. And, you know, I think he means to say there's steers and queers is what he means to say, but he just says queers. And yeah. Eric Bischoff looks like he just had a stroke. He's like, I can't say that on television. I was like, no, Dr. Death, you can't. In 2022, yeah. he would be canceled. I'm just so excited. I'm just so mad. And he just runs off. <laughs> Sats <up> for <laughs> Jared's like, oh, that's first. How damn this is fun. All games. <laughs> oh, man. Gordy and Williams would then cut a promo shortly after their match, claiming there was a car wreck that involved, quotations, some Puerto Ricans. I'm not making this up. And they couldn't wrestle. No, it's truly the- racist. <laughs> they couldn't wrestle against the Steiners. <laughs> It's then alluded to that Gordy and Williams attacked the Steiner brothers' opponents, Miguel Perez and Ricky Santana, prior to the match, leading to the Steiners winning their tournament match by forfeit. I also have that promo right here. Making their way now, Terry Bam Bam has been a bad wreck, and I'm talking about a nasty, nasty wreck. There's people out there, I mean, they're all twisted up, and they got their arms Messed up. What, what kind of a wreck are you talking it's a wreck about? Right outside this building right here, and it looked like a couple of Puerto Ricans. Now listen, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, hey, it's been a bad wreck, huh, Steve? I'm telling you what, some guy come running in. Doctor, doctor, where's the doctor? Is there a doctor in the house? And all we screamed out, yes, and we make house calls. No, we the ones that called the 911. You had Mexicans, Puerto Ricans stretched all over. Looked like a semi hit him. You know, look at this right here. You got you got Williams and Gordy with the win. You got the Steiner brothers. I guess they get a, a forfeit. Hey, you know, this right here is what the whole world's been waiting on, man. Let's get it on. Let's cut the butter and let's get it on right here. There ain't no Puerto, Puerto Rican team to wrestle. Let's get it on, cut through it all, and let's do it. All right, the Puerto Rican team not able to meet the Steiner brothers because of the injuries. We'll talk more about it as the Clash of the Champions returns here on TBS right after this. Later on in the show, Tony and Magnum TA are talking about how injured the Puerto Rican team is, and Ole comes comes in and says that they have been taken to the hospital and that the Steiners receive a bye to the quarterfinals. We then get a follow-up later in the show with this promo by Cowboy Bill Watts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clash of the Champions. Let's try to get to the bottom of this situation. Tony Schiavone standing by with Bill Watts. Okay, thank you very much, Jim Ross. Yes, there's been a lot of confusion tonight here on the Clash of the Champions, centering on the Puerto Rican team. I know we've had meetings in the back with NWA officials and WCW officials, Bill. Well, Tony, it looks like there's more or less a jurisdictional dispute because the end, this is a NWA tag team tournament, but it's presented by the World Championship Wrestling. And so we've had, uh, it looks like the NWA president's going to resign because his philosophy and my philosophy differs a little bit. And one thing I've always feel like is the fans and the people that support wrestling, they deserve to get everything they paid for. And when you have an opportunity to get more than you paid for, that's even better. And what's happened... We're not to the bottom of what's happened to the Puerto Rican team. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out who caused the car wreck, whether or not there was even a car involved. The bottom line is this, that the NWA said that that we'd have to wait until the Great American Bash to see the second round 
of this tag team tournament. And I said, as WCW Executive Vice President, because I went to Steiner's and I went to Doc and Gordy, and I said, you want to get it on? You want to hook them up? And let me tell you, both of them said, let's hook it up. So tonight, right here and now, we're going to start round two. Round two starts tonight of the NWA Tag Team Tournament. We're going to hook them up. All right, that from Bill Watts. And we'll be back on the Clash of the Champions. And that's the build. He shits on the NWA and says he doesn't give a shit about their president. And he also says they're going to lock horns. We're going to have this match tonight. Dude, we didn't advertise it, but we're getting this match tonight. And in the process, says you're getting a free match, which could have been and a also finals. Pretty much says that he doesn't even know if the Puerto Rican team exists. Like you, fucking Booker. Like you just said in the promos, like I don't even know if they're really injured, really got hurt. There's really an accident if they're even really a team. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Bill Watts? The the way that they keep saying Puerto Rican team made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they just, you know, what they really wanted to say It's like they really just wanted to bust out like some slang racial terms for uh, Hispanic people. And I'm like, no. I mean, just let Gordy and Williams talk because they're gonna do it. They're gonna call them the, all the terms they want to call. Them. Yeah, they call he call, he confuses them as Mexicans. He calls them Mexicans or Puerto Ricans. It's like <laughs> holy shit, buddy. <laughs> like it doesn't we step well. away from throwing the throwing the dirty word in there and then everything else. <laughs> Different time, oh, nineteen ninety two. All right, guys. Before we get rolling into this episode and watch this uh, hoss battle, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or on demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. We believe the mat is sacred. Honor is real. And everything is discussed under pure rules. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purist Podcast. We review all things wrestling and don't pull any punches. We do an episode every Sunday where we go back and watch a pre-2020s pay-per-view and then talk about it in the segment we call the Retro Review. I also do an episode every Friday morning in our win series, when it just stands for Weekend News. It gives me an opportunity to freely shoot on 10 news topics from the past week. I also do pay-per-view predictions and reactions to large breaking news stories like Tony Khan being the new owner of Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Check out our Twitter page at the WP underscore pod. That's T-H-E-W-P underscore P-O-D for all updates. Our pinned tweet has other links as well, like our merch store and how to support our show directly. Remember, whether you agree with us or not, we're right, because we are the wrestling purists. And we are back, guys. Now, guys, as we're about to roll into this fucking match, hoss battle, if you will, you're going to go into the Peacock app if you want to watch along with us. You're going to go to Season 5, Episode 2 of Clash of the Champions. It will be under the WCW tab. Go ahead and get that all pulled up, and uh, you'll see a black screen here. We're going to get rolling. Travis, you ready? Yep. Yep. I am ready. All righty, guys. We'll say three, two, one, play, and we'll start. Three, two, one, play. Oh, man. Gary Michael Capetta out there. The crowd already looks – I mean, it looks full. It looks good. But you can already tell just the production value is so much worse than 94 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very kind of almost grainy when they do long shots here. And look at just like one little black strip with some some rhinestones on it is all they get for a backdrop for a ring entrance here. New Japan was doing more at the time. Well, it's wild, too, because they actually have two separate entrances. The babies come out the left side. The hills come out of the right side. That's a Watts thing. That feels like a Watts thing. Yeah, keep the hills and babies separate. Randy Wee Anderson is the ref, by the way. Much I like him as a ref better than I do Nick Patrick. He's more of a ref size. Huge no, He's huge great, nose, too. His, his facial reactions, like I remember the one where um, – Luger racks Hogan on the hundredth episode of Nitro, and he he's like, "What? Yeah, he said yes," and he's ringing the bell. It just looks great. Fucking the Steiner brothers. I, I will still go down. The Steiner brothers are my favorite tag team of all time. I don't think anybody could have touched those, them. Those Michigan jackets, man, fucking badass. Did you see that Braun Breaker wore Rick Steiner's um bad to the bone or beware of dog leather jacket the other night? I did. I was the one that Rick about- wore. Yeah, I think it was the ones without like the little like things on the shoulders. Yeah, it didn't. Little... Yeah, it didn't. It didn't have the um, Mac tr- or was it Mac? Tr- yeah, Mac truck um, little dogs on the shoulder pads. Fucking St- uh, Steve Williams doing his little running in place gimmick. God, those those tights are so high, so high. Steiner Brothers look so cool. I love that their their tights were always so colorful, and it like it to me yeah. really. I mean, it, it made no sense. Like their color schemes and never made any sense, but that's what made them cool because they're different. And Rick having like the different colored boots, I always noticed that as well. Yep, they're kind of reverse, or at least they they had the same colors but not the same layout. Which his, his headgear does match his tights a little bit here. There are some okay. green in the tights. Right before this, Jim Rick. Ross put over all the dates of the Great American Bash tour we're going to hit in July. Uh, they were still doing the tour. And then uh, a lot of people don't know this. Great American Bash wasn't just a pay-per-view. It was a summer tour of different places mm-hmm. they would hit. Uh, the original Great American Bash was where they did war games. And that was the, kind of the, the main event draw for every show was a war game. So they did the war games like 20 fucking times when they originally yeah. came up with it. There is something I wanted to point out here, too. Like, you may have it in your notes. The uh, commentary team being visible during the whole match. They're on the, you know, the left corner of the ring there. And you could see how JR gets into the match at certain points. Like he's rocking and watching the things. Do you think that is more of a distraction? Or do you think that's – would you rather them be out of sight, out of mind kind of thing? No, I, I like where they were. Like, I didn't even notice them, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah. I do I do realize what you're talking about, JR, reminds me of Mauro Ronaldo. He, he was like that, mm-hmm. too, and he's just very, very passionate. I see Jesse down there now and that you mention it, but I, I, I never really his noticed just him except on the for Back of his chair, just like, oh, I'm cool. I'm just Ventura with my whatever mullet he has going on, little piece of mullet on the back of his head. Oh, golly. Yeah, Ross, uh, right as this match starts, uh, Jim Ross says he doesn't care – uh, of the NW, if the NWA president resigns or not, we're getting this match tonight. And I just <laughs> yeah. like, man, they just fucking are shitting all over the NWA. <laughs> just all over them, dude. I, I will give it to you, though. Like Jesse, seeing how Jesse kind of works with JR there is actually pretty cool to watch it. Like he's actually talking to JR right now instead of watching the screen. But you see JR grab a drink of uh, whatever he's got in his cup there. But I don't know. I just, I just thought it was fun to see them down there actually doing their job. And seeing what they see, kind of thing, because they're not watching the match, even though it's right in front of them. Uh, I do like Scott, right there. I do like Scott Steiner's mullet. He has the sideburns cut off, like because he's a real fucking man. Uh, I appreciate that shit in 1992. Well, I'll give you another thing here, man. This this is like we, we we joked about it. This is a hoss battle, but like these guys are like they're they're grabbing knee pads and trying to throw each other over. They're oh. making it look like a, an actual fight. Yeah, this is my only complaint. They kind they keep trying to do this bridge spot. And they just cannot get it. And then they finally almost get it. And then he likes lands God. on Scott's head. It's so dangerous. Kills his head. Oh, man. I mean, bad. it, it kind of, it, it, you could say, JR kind of covers it for him, but like both men's not given an inch or whatever. But like, it, it's still a very powerful thing to do. But they should have tried it three times. Yeah. He hits that T bone suplex like it was nothing on Terry Gordy. Uh, I will say Jesse Ventura is really smart. Um, he says some really smart things at the very beginning part of this match because he says that they, you know that they've watched the tape on the Steiners and Scott Steiner is the one that always starts the matches and then they start Rick. He goes, oh, they're trying to change the game plan up on them. I thought that was a really cool touch. Get some amateur wrestling right here. They, they, they bring 
that that it's a big eight versus a big 10 battle, which is weird because it's as long as I can remember, it's always been the big 12 when I started watching football and uh, this, they're talking about the big eight versus big 10, but you're getting a lot of mat wrestling here from these three Terry Bam Bam Gordy's not really a mat wrestler. God, he threw him down like he's a yeah, nothing. It's right very, there. very dangerous. Like the way they threw each other down, really good way to hurt yourself. Pull, blow a knee out, uh, fuck your hip up. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. He just need him right in the dick there when he threw oh, him. God, down. he starts the grapevine, um, Doctor Death here. I will say, as the Steiners first came out, they are fucking over. I mean, I, I feel like it's '92. It's peak WCW Steiners right now. They are. Fucking super, super over. And I do say it's an interesting dynamic because the Steiner brothers are usually your powerhouses. And now you kind of mm-hmm. have another team of just straight up powerhouses that their their styles mesh very well. Like I feel like the crowd just doesn't really know what to do during this whole filling out process. But I, yeah. I enjoy it. I feel like the crowd doesn't really know what to think of uh, Gordy and Williams. They're, they're definitely behind Steiner brothers, but it's, it's also an interesting thing to look at. All the UWF guys, Will Watts is bringing in people he knows that can wrestle. He can depend on like, you've got two UWF heavyweight champions versus um, uh, Rick Steiner, who got to start in the UWF. God, and, no. uh, it's just, it's amazing Over. if you look at it, how many people have that link. Yep. Badass he, belly to belly. Uh, over the overhead belly to belly from Rick Steiner onto Terry Gordy. And he did it like it was nothing, man. And you got to think, you know, Gordy's helping him. Uh, or sorry, um, Dr. Death is, is helping him get over. But it's impressive as fuck. They're doing the infamous Steiner pose right there. Fucking love that. Okay. Man, it's just, you don't see tag teams dressed like this anymore, like the Steiner brothers. And I, like you said, it's just. Something cool to see. They they stuck out in the nineties where a lot of tag teams had matching gear or they were all black or something like that. Like Doom was all black or all blue. Road Warriors were black with some red riding. Well, here we go. Just slam him right in the fucking ropes. Yeah, he uh they do a lot of map based wrestling, which uh, like, it makes it feel real. JR's like having a boner on the table right now. I just heard it hit the heard it hit the bottom <laughs> of the table. Oh man, he shoves Rick right in the face, and Rick. You can tell Rick's like, "Well, let's fucking go." Oh yeah, I tried to find a gif of. That. I was gonna make a gif of that where he's like, "Let's fucking go," <laughs> like it, because he's like, "You want to prove that you're a better wrestler than me? Let's fucking go." <laughs> that could have been a DDT if they'd have called yeah, it. I mean, Rick's just kind of making Doctor Death his bitch right now, man. Oh, these fucking forearms, the- Jesus. Jr. with a faceful ass there. The, the announce table comes into play here in a little bit too. He just no sold that slap like fuck <laughs> dude, you. It pissed him. Off. <laughs> he almost has a routine yeah. right there. <laughs> right there's one we need to make a gif of. He just pile drives his ass to the ground and hammers him. Jesus. They're probably in the back, like you know, just let's just beat this shit out of each other. Let's just do it because that's what they're doing. Yeah, they, they, they didn't moves, call shit. Just, they, they didn't call shit in the back. Oh, he caught him with an elbow right in the back of the head. Just ground and pound, man. That's what this is. This match has been. Oh God, yeah. Hangman Page could learn how to take a, a clothesline from that one. That huge clothesline, uh, man. It, it is. <sighs> Watch this. Gordy comes in here, and it's just just as worse. He's going to blast him right in the fucking face. God damn. Dude. And he can like <laughs> just folds over on his knees too. Like that, that can't feel good. Gordy hits him with a, that vicious forearm, man, and his body just kind of folds under him and he's throwing some mean forearms here. He's like just no selling. Oh, here they come. <laughs> like, fuck you. Like sell oh this bitch. God. Sell the forearm. <laughs> oh. Everything I feel like there's just no wasted movement in this match. Like everything. And leads to something. Oh, oh, reverse the belly to belly. He hits it. That was great. Quick question: Do you do you think Ban- Terry Bam Bam Gordy is better set better set for this type of match or a Freebirds match? I feel I mean, like this is more his style. Yeah, I mean the whole thing with the Freebirds was Michael was the talker, Gordy was the the shit stomper. Hold on, we got an underhook. 
fucking powerbomb out of nowhere and it looks fucking beautiful like scott steiner and with Blast. and and buddy was the guy who got all the heat he's the one that took it all you know um so i think in this sense it makes more sense for gordy to be in this because he's just a fucking powerhouse brawler man and scott went to go for that frankensteiner and gordy kind of had him had him had him pegged for it and then he hits him with an stf out of nowhere i feel like he's better suited to be the the kick-ass heel more so than the protector of michael and buddy i feel like this is more his t- speed and temperament which is weird, yeah. weird that steve williams gets in the ring there and just gets right back out i i, I like the fact that the rest rest of this match it's just a straight up they do a great job of like tag wrestling keeping scott away mm-hmm. from rick uh breaking him down and, and to me, I feel like in, for this being a tag match, the ring doesn't seem as small in this match. And I'm not sure why. It's just I don't know if they nice. do a better job utilizing u- utilizing it or what. And fucking – Break a oh, fucking man. rib right there. Mm. Break his fucking hip while he's laying on the lower back and his top of his ass there. This is some Japan oh. style, right? Like strong style before strong style. They're just, they're just laying it in, man. Just laying it the fuck in. When was the first time you remember as, you know, seeing the Steiner brothers. Uh, I remember seeing the Steiner, Steiner brothers in the early nineties. I remember seeing them in WCW. I don't really remember matches cause I had a lot of squash matches back then, but my brother, as I mentioned on a previous episode, he'd kind of got away from Hulkamania and stuff and was more so into the WCW because they kind of came around where we were at to like Dorton arena and different places in Raleigh. Like they could go see matches and stuff. I mean, he was still watch WWF, but he was more into the hard hitting like Steiners, LOD stuff like that around this period of time. God, he almost spiked him on his head. God, the Oklahoma slam there. I think the first time I remember seeing the Steiners, we used to watch WCW a lot in, in our household. My, my, we'd go over to my uh, grandparents' house, and they would always have WCW Saturday night on. We'd all get together and go there every weekend, uh, and all of us, I'm talking like all of my cousins, mm-hmm. and that was always what was on. I can remember watching WCW in their household and never watching WWF, but as a, mm-hmm. like, back in my house, like, back in my actual house, we would always watch WWF more than WCW, but I can remember seeing the Steiner Brothers when I was a kid and just being enamored with Scott having the headgear on and not really understanding why he had the headgear on, because, you know, I'm a kid, not fucking realizing it and then plus their colorful gear they're doing all these crazy ass moves and then i definitely remember them being in wwf shortly after and i know we talked about it yep. on our our episode with the heavenly bodies on our, our old podcast and i i feel like their run seemed longer and more they, they had more achievements than what they really did because they're just such a good tag team well, they were the tag team of the WWF at that time, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, you had Money, Inc., and you had Natural Disaster, stuff like that, but the the focus of the WWF tag team division was on the Steiner brothers while they were there. So they were more pushed than anyone else. And But the, the, the detriment to, to them at that time is WWF just didn't really have a lot of tag teams for them to no. wrestle. You know, like the Head Shrinkers, Heavenly Bodies, stuff like that, but no real, real feuds unless you had the Beverly Brothers come out of somewhere. And you also got to think WWF had Coliseum home video. So when they were pumping out a tag match, most of the time it had the Steiners in it. Yep. Oh, you really makes that makes the tag. The referee, though, it takes. gets really weird here. The ref didn't see the tag. Oh, and they missed the kick he missed there. That kick. And he fucking Steiner oh, lines God. and he almost lands on top of JR. <laughs> <laughs> that guy saves the monitors. I, I saw that. JR yeah. saving the monitor. <laughs> However, I feel like they the ref missed the spot, and, and but they're, they're going to tell him. He's like, you're not the legal man. He goes, I never saw a tag. And it gets a little convolu- convoluted here, but it makes it feel real. I kind of like it. A little bit of, uh, little bit of misconstrueness there. But, like you said, it adds to it. It's like, you, I never saw the tag. Never saw the tag. And he's like, what the fuck? And look at the look at the people in the front row like he made the tag. Come on, that southern crowd fucking oh Ooh. god he hit him with a fucking forearm. <laughs> Walloped him out. Here we go, here we go. So they're, they're going to get some more order here. Gordy, they're fighting on the outside. The cameraman there. You don't really see stuff like this very often in this time period. You know what I mean? Where it's just kind of all out mayhem. Yeah. Usually it's a more structured tag match. 
staple the Bill Watts there. There are no mats. No oh mats. God! Just took just took out Scott's knee there. So some thin carpet there from the heels and faces to walk on, but no fucking mats. You know, I've never was a fan of WCW's color scheme at the time. I hated the three different colored ropes. Like I, I, I got the red, white, and blue. I got that, but like blue, black, and yellow. I get that was their colors, but it just didn't look good in ring ropes. No, that yellow is tacky, man. The yellow turnbuckle pads is tacky as fuck. And go. if you're gonna We're do yellow, to why don't right. you do? Oh God! Why don't you fucking... do it? A, do it across the ring from each other instead of on the same side. That looks even worse. Oh man, the blue's this, on this. one side and the yellow's on the other. Oh, I, I made a gift of this. Boom. Oh, that was badass. That's the stuff you didn't really see. You didn't then. see a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't see the Steiners get manhandled like that either, though. That's another thing. Hardly ever. Oh, man. Oh. You wallop someone. If, if you watch this match, guys, they're just fucking walloped in potatoes left and right. There's fucking forearms. And 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 it's it's been really good up to this point. Scott Steiner's about to make an effort here. Oh, oh. and this looks so sick. No, I, oh, it looks so real and so sick. One finishes believable though. Three. Oh, definitely. They Terry Gordy or Scott Steiner's in the ring here with Dr. Death and goes to go for a belly-to-belly suplex. And uh Terry Gordy comes flying chop in there and him. hits a chop blocks him, and they he falls right on top. The crowd is fucking pissed. Look at these people. They are furious. Terry Gordy you got one is guy. all lit up. He got one guy. One guy in a blue shirt down there with a gold chain, just like, yeah. I love people are throwing trash. Gordy. They are pissed, dude. They are throwing garbage at, at fucking Terry Gordy right now. Rick legitimately looks pissed off. Oh, here we go. Replay of it. Oh, God, the way he lands. He could have blew his knee out legit. And he waited well, he lands on, land top on top. Terry Gordy, it looked, too. It looks so real, though. It looks perfect. Rick is being held by fucking Gordy. He can't do anything about it. One, two, three, fucking matches over. I think we only had, what, like maybe three or four pinfalls, like attempts in this match? Yeah, very, very believable here. Nice, nice backdrop. And we see Tony, young Tony Schiavone and uh, a, pig, a, a ponytailed Magnum TA putting Williams and Gordy's uh, little little spot there. And that's the end of that match, man. Fucking it felt real. Felt fucking real. Just a hoss battle, as we have called it. Like, just two teams going at it, beating the hell out of each other, trying to, trying to make you uh, uh, bring your dis- – disbelief back pretty much spend that disbelief for them in this match because everything they did looked good looked real looked like you were re- i mean because some of the time they really were punching the fuck out of each other bill watts gets a lot of shit um i i've even said it on the podcast that he gets the the, the goofy stuff like the goofy rules is what people remember but not the wrestling that came along with it there is some really good fucking wrestling from 92 and 93 oh yeah because they don't they never watch the rest and they just they they were Dave Meltzer news letter, letter readers and just they stuck on those facts. They didn't actually watch these matches. Like the matches we've covered from this time frame from WCW, the Sting and Cactus Jack match and this have both been stellar matches and star making matches. If you really want to think about it, introducing people to the Miracle Violence connection and establishing them as a tag team to beat, and even with Cactus Jack making him a viable threat to Sting's. Uh, championship reign even though it wasn't for the belt i mean he he knew how to book it's just people latched onto those certain things i mean there's countless matches on our list here that are from this era it's because this era was a badass era of wrestling that no one talks about because no one watched it that was the bad part about it. no one watched it at the time when it was on yeah, the production values, I think that it, it deters a lot of people away because it is very hard on the eyes. Just watching this show is just like, uh, like it looked so southern indie, like end of, like an independent. That's what it looked like to me. Still heads and shoulders above that ECW match we watched. Production values for ECW 95 were worse than this. And it yeah. still held as a good year for ECW. The aftermath, in the month between the first round and the rest of the tournament, 
Gordy and Williams would defeat the Steiner brothers to win the WCW tag titles. Gordy and Williams defeated the team of Nikita Koloff and Ricky Steamboat in the fi- uh, semifinals, followed by defeating Rhodes and Wyndham in the finals to become dual champions. These teams would go on to wrestle 16 times throughout the summer of 1992, with most of the matches taking place on the annual Great American Bash house show, house show tour. The feud was big in Japan, as it was hyped as a feud between the best foreign teams of the two top Japanese promotions, New Japan and All Japan Pro Wrestling. Despite advances by New Japan, Gordy and Williams, out of loyalty to All Japan Pro Wrestling founder and promoter Giant Baba, refused to compete for the promotion, which had business ties with WCW at the time. This would lead to Gordy's departure from WCW from uh, right before Halloween Havoc and Williams' departure after Starcade. The Steiner brothers would leave WCW at the end of 92 to join the WWF and have a decent run until they would leave in 1994. They would continue to have huge success in Japan and have a short stint in ECW until they returned to WCW in 1996, where they would eventually break up as a tag team in 1998. Both men would remain staples of WCW until the company would close in 2001 with Scott Steiner finally becoming WCW champion way too late of a, of a title run. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely could have happened a lot sooner. And Rick was kind of a staple in the TV title and in the U.S. title uh, picture there for, for quite a while in WCW. In 1993, Terry Gordy was traveling uh, from the United States to Japan for a tour, actually overdosed on pain medication and slipped into a coma, ultimately suffering permanent brain damage. Steve Williams would go on to continue to work for All Japan Pro Wrestling, ECW, and would be signed by the WWF in 1998. The Brawl for All tournament then happened. He would be knocked out in the first round by Bart Gunn and suffer a quad tear. He was said to have a huge run set for the WWF, even having a program with Steve Austin. However, he would prove to be injury prone and would leave for WCW in 1999 to only be there a few months before leaving. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Fucking stupid. (laughs) Fuck you, Vince Russo. Fucking moron. Ferrara. So fucking bad. You forgot, you forgot, man. Terry Gordy became the executioner. I'm getting to it. Hold on, hold on. Okay. (laughs) Gordy would bounce around from the Global Wrestling Federation, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, ECW, where he would feud with Bam Bam Bigelow over the Bam Bam uh, moniker, and he would show up as the executioner in the WWF, (laughs) along with doing death matches in Japan, which I didn't realize he did a whole lot of death matches. He would actually pass away of a heart attack due to a blood clot in July of 2001. In March, 2004, Williams would be diagnosed with throat cancer and undergo surgery. He was declared cancer free in 2005, but it would eventually return uh, leading to his passing in December of 2009. He was only 49 years old when he passed away. It's also interesting. You mentioned the death matches on uh, Mick Foley's podcast. I shout out to him for uh, Foley's pod. Uh, he actually was on some of the same tournaments as Mick Foley was in Japan for the King of the Death match. And uh, yeah, Mick they, Foley talks about how that uh, Terry Gordy gave him some headphones and stuff because he didn't have any. said he was yeah, a really good guy. It was basically said that he was kind of a, a pity hire because Michael Hayes wanted to get him and uh, Jim Ross vouched for him as well. But they said clearly he wasn't the man he used to be because of the brain damage he suffered from the um, overdose. And it's kind of a shame because he's – he was he was a great big guy, and he, shout out he was from Saudi Daisy. Saudi Daisy is not too far from where we uh, we actually live here. That is Clash of the Champions nineteen. I don't think we have another match of Gordy and Doctor Death on our on our list, and it's kind of a shame. It was it was nice to kind of see them uh, get a taste of something different on the podcast, especially the promos they cut, which not so PC into twenty twenty two. Um, however, it was definitely an interesting listen. Very Southern wrestling. So, Travis, it's that time of the episode where we spin the wheel and make the deal. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, guys, this is how we actually come up with episodes for our next episode and our match. We have a list, a compiled list here. It's saying we have 175 matches on this list, Travis. These matches feature uh, matches from WWF, WCW, NWA, NGW, local show that i'm involved with uh tna new japan pro wrestling 
it has pretty much a bit of everything. ECW is on this list as well. And uh, what we do is we take all those names, we shuffle them, put them into a randomizer on the willofnames.com. We spin the wheel, we make the deal, and that's the match we cover. So, Travis, you ready to spin the wheel and make the deal? Yep, TNA, TNA. We got to gotta hit the other promotion, man. I'm waiting for it. God damn it. All right, here we go. I'm Maybe I'll get a match this week. Get a 2000s match. 2000s. Ooh, you got your wish, buddy. It is a TNA. Oh, God. It is a TNA match. It is AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels in the 30-minute Iron Man match. The very first match with it being TNA. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited for it. Is this and mine, too? It is your fucking match, too. I don't think I've had a match yet. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe the wheel just likes me a lot. I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's, it's good to see that we're getting some quality wrestling. Oh shit. Looks like this it's is against bound, all bound odds. For glory. Is, is it, is it against all odds or bound for glory? Oh no. Hold on. I, I just, yep. It's bound for glory. Sorry. The first one popped up because it was talking about how triple X disbanded it against all odds. So yeah. And You're a lot right. of people, there's right. in bleach report. says AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels at bound for glory. Best match ever. Question mark. So that's a, an interesting stopping point for us this week, guys. Travis got his wish. He keeps, he keeps, I, I think he has a fucking Finally. deal with the devil on this list because we keep getting what all of his matches, he just wished for a TNA match. We get a TNA match, and it's actually, it is a really great match. Mm-hmm. We're going to, the next week, we're going to get um, a WWE 2000s match of some sort. Guarantee he's you. calling it's it coming. now. He's calling his shot. Like There's a great too much of it on the here. list. Babe Ruth over here calling that shot. Travis, what oh, you got for us, man? I'm excited. Uh, nothing much, man. Just still selling stuff over here on uh, TGL The Man 12 on the eBay's. Trying to get up a bunch more stuff listed. Listed some new stuff today. Um, other than that, not, not a whole lot going on in my world. I apparently I was promoting uh the Wrestling Pierce podcast, and I'm not on that until next weekend. <laughs> So I thought it was this weekend or last weekend, but uh, it's actually the following week. And then I'm back two weeks later for um, Mayhem and Starcade 2000. So eventually I'll get the right week, I guess, eventually. <laughs> but um, but other than that, man, uh, you just follow me on the Twitter at Travis Lasseter. Um, there's a pretty cool account out there called at uh, Bleeding John. If you want to know if uh, John Moxley bled in AEW, I heard the guy that runs that is pretty cool. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, nice guy. And then, uh, you can, of course, too. follow us. I know. Every time he has a match, it I gain, it, it gains followers, not me. Not me personally. And I have nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then uh, we have our own Twitter now, at, uh, at Wrestling Recom, like just like recommendations. And uh, we're posting stuff. Try to do it daily. Um, if I have time during work and everything, we'll uh, get some tweets out there for you to interact with and we might even uh, eventually maybe ask you guys your opinion or a question you want to know about the match. Uh, it would be pretty cool for to take some questions eventually once we get some more listeners to see what see what you guys want to know about the match or just your feedback on it because thirty minute match like that we we may need to fill a little time which we we know how to talk. I mean we talk on podcasts all the time. Seems to be a seems to be a thing we're pretty good at. So that's all I got for the time being. I'll pass it on over to you, sir. Yeah, guys, uh, definitely check us out at uh, Wrestling Recommendations. We have a Facebook page. Travis talked about our Twitter. Um, I'm also involved with the wrestling show, Next Generation Wrestling, based out of Tennessee at NextGenTN on all social media platforms. Uh, Shout out to our buddy Scott, who says we mention him on every episode. So we're going to keep that rolling. He wants to be on an episode with us. We'll have to find out if an episode works for him and have him on with us. I think it'd be pretty fun have three of us on here. So, uh, Definitely check uh, check out so the upcoming episodes. Uh, right now, uh, all of, of our wrestling recommendation episodes, Macho Man versus Hogan is the top listened episode. It's very, very close. And we have a three-way tie with Steve Austin versus Steamboat, uh, Juventud Guerrera versus Rey Mysterio Jr., and also the Beach Blast match with Sting and Cactus Jack. So they're all starting to go up in, in, in listens. We appreciate everybody giving us a, a listen, right, you know, rate us on iTunes and, and follow us guys. We appreciate everything. Uh, I know I got a whole lot of stuff going on. I'm super busy. Um, my daughter's playing basketball. Reggie Miller is still liking my Instagram uh, pictures, which is cool as shit because I am a oh, yeah. lifelong uh, disappointed Pacer fan. 
Um, and it's really nice to see uh, Reggie Miller show some love. My daughter got bodied. Uh, she played three games last Saturday and injured her knee. She's like, Dad, I want to play more. She went out there, shut down the entire other team. They only Our team only scored seven points. They, the other team scored zero. She scored four of those seven points. So it was really cool to see my daughter go out there and bust some ass. Uh, coaches or Coach's wife got into it with a fan. Another parent was saying, fuck on the floor uh really excited for the my daughter and uh my kids in sports so when i'm not doing this i'm usually doing that or at work so definitely keep listening to us guys follow us you know recommend wrestling recommendations and mm-hmm. uh until next week guys we get our first little dose of tna i am eddie along with travis lasseter and we will see you next time